0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcast.org. We are going to talk of Harshish Mishpat in 5782. Peret Khov Gimel Pasik Ches. Okay, and I'm going to, you're going to have to excuse me because I wrote this year last week, Thursday night. Okay, so I haven't done anything since then. I just hadn't had time this week. But I wrote it last week, Thursday night and I think I have it all down because I looked it over again today just in case but it's been a little bit so here's what it says you should not take any bribes because bribes blind the eyes of the wise and twist the words of the righteous twist the words of the tzadikim themselves so there's a Gemara it says that the word shokhad comes from the word shehuchad shehuchad meaning Once you accept a bribe, it makes you so close to the person who gave it to the point where you cannot differentiate between you and him. It's like you and him are brothers. You're related to each other and you can't differentiate between the two of you. People cannot see fault in themselves. That's just who they are. You can never be a True advocate for yourself because you love yourself. You want what's best for yourself. And if somebody gives you a bribe, you will always fight for them. It's why lawyers like Steve are always so good for their clients. Because if you get paid, then obviously you want your client to win. That's the way things go. That's always the way it is. You can't even say that it won't happen to you. It's impossible. The puzzle tells us, Ki ya'aver. It's going to blind you. You won't even notice it happening to you. Shahuchad. Because you become one with the person who gave it. Now the Chiddush says the remnant to this is that the letters after the word Shochad are tough, tes, and Hey Shin Ches Dalit is tough Tase, which is Tate. It turns you toward their side. It twists you over to where they are. It will allow you to turn the judgment toward their favor. Ruchani time in Tamei Dekral says interestingly this is the only time in all of Chumash can you believe this where the word Sadikim is written full. With two yuds, Sadi Dawid Yud Kuf Yud Mem. Every other time it's missing a yud, either by the first one, the second one, but it's missing yud. Here it's written in full because even the greatest sadik, normally you can't be the greatest tzaddik. Everybody does something wrong, so they're always missing something. But even the greatest tzaddik with two yuds, even a most rabbeinu, if you take a bribe, it will sway you. It will turn you around. It will turn it around. Now, it's interesting. In Parsha's Shoftim, it actually says, the same Pasuk, except over there, it's Chasser. But there are some Chumashim, he says, where it's Mole, and whatever it is. The Torah Shlema brings us in the name of the Medrash, Chaserus, Saros. Either way, regardless, it shows that even the greatest sada cannot rely on himself. You can't. Rev. Vigder Miller says, the Shorish of the word is not Shochad. It's Chad, and the shin in the beginning of a word is something that's he feel. It makes something happen. So, shokhad is he makes himself into one with the person. It's like he's creating a situation where he's the same as the person out there. So, too, he says the word shakol means bereft of children. Because coal is all of the children. The shin is you are gone. It's taken away from you. So to speak, the children are gone. That's the idea behind it. You are blinding yourself to anything there. And that's where the word comes from. Refersh says the word is similar to the word shachat, shachting, or shaches, or to destroy something. And that's where shoka comes about. It brings about the destruction of the spiritual and the moral life of the person in question, of the judge who's getting involved over here. Bribes will kill anyone who receives it. That's the idea that Repersha is saying over here. They won't be able to think straight. They won't be able to, as he calls it, look at open facts. That's Pikeach. And they won't be able to do the right thing. And that's Tzedek, that's Tzedekim. Your sight becomes clouded. You have no ability to do it. And Adzaznaim Latorah, even after the Gemar Din, can you imagine this? You already poskined on the case. You can't take a bribe afterward. If somebody after you judged a case comes up to you and says, I just wanted to thank you, Judge, for judging my case and tries to give you a bribe, that's usser. It's called shochad meuchar, delayed bribery. Even that is problematic. Even that is a problem. So in that, a dying has to tell the officers of the court how to do it, how to go about it, how to do things, etc. to be makayim psakdin. Taking a bribe even afterward can mess up your thinking and allow you to do something wrong even after you already decided the case. That's a little crazy. The mom over here says that the Pasuk says the word ya'avir pikchim. While in the words in Shoftim, in Parsha Shoftim it says ya'aber eine The eyes of the Chachamim and Pichim. So what's the difference, says the Malvin, between a Pichach and a Chacham? So he says the following, and I hope everybody understands this, because this is what I thought, but I think everybody knows this in and of itself. What is a Chacham? A Chacham is someone who has learned from someone greater than him. He's a Chacham because he learns Chochmah. He has a Mesorah, a Kabbalah from someone else who's great. And he was able to take that in and learn that Chochmah, take that wisdom, and maybe even improve on it, make some khidushin. But he's able to take something from someone else. Now, it's, by the way, this is not just wisdom in Torah. It could be a trade. Learning a trade from someone, learning how to play music is a Chochmah. That's a Chochmah. You're taking it from someone else who's been through it, who gets it, and does it already, and you're doing it for yourself. That is all a line of Chochmah itself. A Pikeach, on the other hand, is not someone who's learning it from someone else. It's someone who's figuring it out from his own Seichel. He opens up his mind to the possibilities in front of him and figures things out all on his own. An inventor is often a combination of a chacham and a Pikeach. He takes the wisdom that has already been made by others, and he improves on it, and he allows his pikchus, his ability to see things that others didn't, and adds on to it. It's as if he opens up his eyes to other things, things that others could not see. Now, Josephus Bracha, he says it refers to people who have worldly knowledge. Worldly knowledge, that's chokma, because of their experiences of life things that other people told them. A picaac is someone who figures it all out on his own itself. So some people might think to themselves, look, I've got this Chochmah. I know what my Rebbe said. I know what they have taught me. And therefore, I have all this Chochmah already. There's no way that a bribe can change my mind or turn me away from the chokma that I've already learned. Maybe he'll think that way. And comes to Fusik and says, you can't say that because the Chochmah that you have is still in your head. It's still a little muddled. And if you take a bribe, it's going to turn you one way, not the other. Other people might say, look, I am bright. I know these things. I'm not going to be swayed by a couple dollars. I've got an idea in my head and I'm able to be... a piqueach. I can do that even so do not take a bribe it can ruin you and that's why we need to psukim no matter what you are you're a chacham who became a judge or a pikeach that became a judge somebody who works on the Messorah and the kabbalah that he got from other people or somebody who has true wisdom that he's been able to figure out on his own no matter what bribery destroys it that's Eddie behind. yeah how often did bribes happen? how often do, do bribes happen? well you're saying it is in past tense. past tense daily daily, daily. 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 Yeah, hourly? Do you want to go with hourly? Happens but, all the time. Be, you right go into you a court and sure you okay. say to a judge, you go to a judge not and, not and you say, course. wow, you're, 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 um, your honor, thank you. Yes, your honor, your tie is such a nice tie. That's a beautiful tie. Right Where do you buy it from? Right there. <laughs> you look great. Is that a new haircut? Wow. I mean, let me tell you, that's pretty good. That's, that's easy. Vibe? And you're asking me if it happens in Bazin? Yeah. All the you time. Do you know Rabbi First? call up right first right first that psak that you gave the other day that was an amazing psock i have a case that i want to bring you you just bribed him you just bribed him you brought him mishloch manos and purim that's a bribe that is a pure bribe. Now, I might, I might not have been thinking of that, and I might have been doing that beforehand, and there are ways that certain things are mutter and certain things are not, right? But yes, of course, these bribes happen all the time by Batu Dinin. Hopefully, they recognize that. Hopefully, these great men will recognize it. We're going to have some stories. But either way, the Tosephus bracha said, asks why the Torah would give a reason for giving a bribe. We know, and I want to see, does anybody get this? Where did the Torah elsewhere, aside from here, give a reason for not doing a certain law? And the person said, I'm going to do it anyway because I don't think that's going to affect me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Torah says straight out, but, yeah. A law. It's a straight out halakha, right? And the Torah says, don't do it because of X. And a person said, and I'll give you the hint. The hint is, it's a king. The king said, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Shlomo Shlomo Melech wives, horses, and money. By each one, it says, don't take too many wives because they're going to sway your heart. Very good, Mati. Don't take too many wives, they're going to sway your heart. Don't have too much money because it's going to get you. Don't have too many horses, you're going to go down to Mitzrayim. Said, Shlomo melech. I won't go down to Mitzrayim. I won't let my wives or my money sway me. And yet, it did. Because the Pasuk, when it tells you, usually it doesn't say anything at all, it just says, don't do it, it doesn't give you a reason. Because the time when it gives you a reason, even the wisest of all men, Shlomo Melech, was bribed by his own Chachmah And he didn't realize what happened to him. So too over here, this is a strange thing. It's one of the only places in the Torah where the Torah says, don't do it because of what the resulting action is going to be. You are going to be swayed by it. So it's strange. Says the Tosef There are so many reasons why one might think it's mutter. He's only taking skhar tirkha schar batala. I'm only doing this because otherwise I would be working and I need to be paid for judging instead of working right now. I would have to be paid something or other. It won't really affect me. Anyway, there are so many excuses a person can give. The pusik has to tell you it doesn't work. You can't get around it. It's going to happen no matter what. You cannot get around it. Targum Yonasan says, not only will the bribe mess you up, he says it'll mess up the judge sitting next to you as well. That's how powerful a bribe is. Their understanding of the Torah won't be as clear, and they won't understand it the way that they should. The Gemara says, it's not only money that's forbidden to take. Even shochad devarim, like I gave examples before, is going to be usser, which means you cannot allow the person you are judging to praise you excessively. The Barabbas Sada says it's because the Pusik used the word shochad instead of botza. Botza is money. Shochad is anything. Anything that sways you to do something, even if it's not a profit of money. Someone offered his, the, his arm to Shmuel. Shmuel, the Amorah right, in order to get onto the ferry. He was getting onto a ferry right by the river, somewhere in Bava, I would assume, put, you know, one of the rivers, Tigris and Euphrates River. And he offered his arm and Shmuel took it and said, thank you, turned to him and he said, Shmuel said, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm here to actually get my case judged by you. And Shmuel said, I'm puzzled to be your judge. I'm puzzled. Because you lent me your arm in order to help me onto the ferry. I can't do that. That's not shohad dvarim, it's shohad maizim. It's a bribery of deeds and I can't do it. Torah Tamima to says you can't even say Shalom Aleichem to a judge that you wouldn't have spoken to anyway. That would be Shulchat dvarim. You can't even say Shalom Aleichem to him. Reverse adds on, brushing off the specks of his coat. You see the judge and you just go like that to get rid of the specks on his coat, kicking dirt away from something in front of the judge and other situations. All of that would be forbidden. The Torah Shleiman says number 121 says even covering up his spit, if the judge spits and you just quickly cover it up with dirt offering him a gift, even if he doesn't accept it, even complimenting him before the case starts, like I said, about such a nice tie, etc. All of that is usser. All of that is usser. All because of what it does to the judge and how he thinks of you as a person. Tom V'Gas, that's Rav Sternbuch, and the Mayana Shul says there was a great tzaddik, he was known as Rabbi Yoshua Mikutner, maybe Kutner, I saw it in two different places, and it said Mikutner in one and Kuttner in the other, who once had a widow approach him crying, she was crying and crying and crying, asking him that he call a certain person to a din Torah. He said, please, can you get this person to come to a din Torah? She claimed he did something terrible to her. So we her, I cannot judge this person because I'm already swayed by your tears. The tears of a widow crying in front of me that I should take care of the case is a shokhad. That's a bribe. It's making me think that I want to judge your case in one way or another and that's that. I'm not going to be able to do it. It's causing me to be matadin. Every single person, he says, has to judge for himself what might be a bribe to them. What would be a bribe to you? Whether that's honor or prestige or something like that. I've got more. The The Torah says, why the Torah has to warn us twice not to take bribes as judges here. And later on, a partial shoved him. Especially since the Psukim are talking about Sadikim. Why would we even think that Sadikim would take bribes? Listen to the story. It's an unbelievable story. The Apta Rebbe was a judge in Kalbasov when he was younger. And his fellow judges had taken a bribe. And they were in a certain case. And they had Poskin like this guy that they had taken a bribe from. Well, the Apta Rebbe was not, not swayed at all. He's like, absolutely, that's the wrong psak So even though it's two to one... Right? And Aptarov should have lost, but the he would not allow the case to finish up in court. He wouldn't allow the Gamardin, even though it was the same, but we're the majority. We should pass in right now. The he said, No, I'm not allowing this case to go through. He was so upset that they weren't hearing his side because he knew he was right and he knew they were wrong. So the two judges went back to the guy and said, You know, you should probably give him a little something. If you give the Aptarov a little something, right, then maybe he'll come onto our side and he'll judge the case and we'll let it go through. So, unfortunately, they weren't the best of judges, right? So, this guy tried offering the Abderab something, but he saw he's a tzaddik gummer. He wasn't taking anything whatsoever. So, they gave a suggestion. They said, the Abderabba has a Rosh Chodesh baget. He has a suit that he only wears on Rosh Chodesh. Go take a bag of money and put it in the pocket of his Rosh Chodesh baget. Okay, go put it inside there. So, they, he did it. The guy did. He went, found the Rosh Chodesh baget of the Abderabba when nobody else was around and put the money, a bag of money, inside that pocket. The next morning, the Abdu Rebbe came to court. He obviously had no idea, right? came to court, and he started hearing what the other judges were saying. He started hearing it. He's like, huh, that might be correct. And then he stopped himself. He said, there's no way that's correct. There's no way. How could I be thinking this way? He immediately stopped and said, we're calling, we're adjuring right now. We're taking everything out. We're not bringing this case back up for two weeks. I need to clear my head. We're not talking about this case for two weeks. So he stopped. He had nothing to do with it. Rosh Chodesh was a week and a half later. week and a half later, Rosh Chodesh, he puts on his Rosh Chodesh bag and he feels like something heavy in the pocket. He reaches in the pocket, pulls out a bag of money. He puts two and two together. He realizes it's a bribe. The guy bribed me. He went back to the guy. He said, did you give me this bribe? The guy said, 100%. Yes, I gave you the bribe. So the Abdu Rebbe said... I'm throwing myself out of the court case. I'm throwing those two judges out of the court case. And he realized that that had affected him. Even though he had no idea it was there. He had no idea that there was any bribe there. Nonetheless, still it caused him this way. The Munkachar Rebbe said about this story that the Rebbe did not know at the time that the other two had taken a bribe. He only realized it later when he had a bribe what had happened to the other two judges. And from that point on, he would not judge any case with those two other rabbis, you wouldn't do it ever again. Clearly, said the Munkacharab, there was siyatid Ishmaya to not allow the Apta Rebbe to judge that case, even though we didn't even know about it. And that's the power of a bribe, that a shochad can happen even if you don't really know about it. It's automatic. Something happens up in shemaya. Is that unbelievable? Okay, there's a Mishnah and Peah. Those who know the Mishnah is in payah, perik ches Mishnah, it says, it says, someone who takes a bribe will go blind before they die. They're going to go blind before they die even if they, don't get, if they do get to live a long life they're going to go blind. And the Mechota says you'll either go blind you'll go crazy or you won't be able to think straight. It's one of those three. But the Mishnah only says that you're going to go blind. Look how silly people are Rabbi Evo says in Ksuva Stav Kope. Look how silly people are. If a person has an eye ache right? Or a stomachache. He's losing his eyesight in some way, shape, or form. He'll spend a fortune to go to an optometrist, an ophthalmologist to go fix his eye. He'll spend a fortune, right? Even if he doesn't have vision insurance or whatever it is that he needs for that. It's doubtful if it's going to work, but he'll do anything he can. Yet this man takes one penny and it causes himself to go blind. Can you imagine? Why would a person even do that? The par Yosef. Ask the classic question. He says, but we see it doesn't happen. We see there are many judges that take bribes. As I said before, it happens all the time. Yet judges take bribes and they don't go blind. They're able to see perfectly fine. Why not? What happens there? So there's a safer zera that says the blindness is in the neshama of a person. It's not necessarily a, f- a physical thing. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Zera Yeah, I didn't look down. Zera says the blindness is in the neshama of a person. It's not his physical eyes. Now, time out. You might remember this from when we did the Pusik Ayin Tachas Ayin, an eye for an eye. We learned that it's not an eye for an eye. We know, we know that if you punch the eye out of another person, they don't punch your eye out. So the question that we asked over there was, then why would the Pusik say an eye for an eye if it's really Kesef tachazayin? You're supposed to give money instead of an eye. So why not say Kesef tachazayin instead of ayin tachazayin? And the answer is, because even though you don't recognize it here, in shamayim, your eyes are blinded. In shamayim, your eyes are gouged out. In this world, we can't do that. That if you gouge someone's eyes out, if you punch a guy so hard that you cause him to go blind, we can't let you go blind instead of him. We can't do that because they're not equal, because one is bigger, one is better eyesight, all the different answers that the Gemara gives in the beginning of Perik We can't do that. But in Shamayim, you lost your spiritual eye. You have a spiritual eye and a physical eye. So it's literally, ayin, takas ayin. You made the guy lose his eye, you also lose an eye. You lose your spiritual eye. And the same thing happens over here. That's what the Zaryitzak means. He means that you're going to lose your spiritual eye, your spirituality that you have behind it. He even brings down a Pusik in and Perak Pei Bays, Pusik Bays. I hope you guys recognize this Pusik. If you don't recognize this Pusik, I'm going to ask you to stay to the end of Davening, okay? At some point next week. I won't tell you what day you have to figure it out on your own. Admasai tishbetu Avel, until when will you judge evil? yavinu. they don't know, they don't understand. they walk in darkness. They feel like they walk in darkness, because they're judging with Avel. they're judging with this bribery, so to speak. They have no idea where they're going. Do you recognize it? Very good. That's right. That's right. If you didn't recognize that, I'm going to ask you to stay late on Tuesday. Okay, whatever, whatever davening you go to, I'm going to ask you to stay until the very end, and I want you to find it, and when you find it in there, I want you to say, like, oh, we just learned that, okay, and then you can forget it after that, but I want you to stay for Tuesday's yom, okay? The Torah Shleimer number 120 says it causes you to go blind in Olam Haba. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what that means. Does that mean that in Olam Haba, you have tzaddikim who might have taken a bribe or walking around there, and they can't see anything in Olam Haba? I have no idea. But it says when you're supposed to be whatever that means, benefiting from the glory of the shchina, you lose out in the schluss and there's nothing you can do about it. The she'ima Gidolam, I found this in the Chida, I did over when we had, you know, during COVID, when everybody was on lockdown. So there was a couple things that I always wanted to do that I never got to do. One of them was the Sefer Shehima Gidolam of the Chida. It's an awesome Sefer. I did five pages a day because I had nothing to do every day. So I did five pages a day and I finished it by the time. It's an amazing story of Kafusi. He was a Talmud of the Arizal as well as other, he was around the times in, you know, in Tzvas with like the Alshech and the, the Shlomo Alkabitz, etc. All those great Kedolim and mekubalim. He was a judge in Egypt and he was blind at the end of his life. Many people claimed you know why he went blind? He must have taken bribes. Based on this Mishnah and Peah, right? He was a judge. He went blind. It must be because he took bribes. So he heard about it. He heard the rumors that were being said about him, that he had taken bribes. So he called the whole place together. He called everyone together. gathered everyone together and he said, I heard the rumors. I heard people saying that I went blind because I took bribes. So here's what I'm going to do. Okay? I'm going to dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay? I'm going to dive into Hashem. If I ever took a bribe, then I should remain blind. If I never took a bribe in my life, never took a bribe, never did it, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu should return my eyesight to me and I should be able to see everything. And he davened, and then he looked at every single person, and he called them out by name. He would go from person to person, and he said, that's you, that's you, that's you, that's you. Went from one person to the other, calling out their name. So the chidah himself says, I saw this signature of Chaim Kafusi. I saw his signature. When he was blind, before he, this happened, his signature was unrecognizable. It was like a scribble. Because you you can't see. You don't know what you're doing. That's that. Afterward, he always said, he signed his name, perfectly legible. And afterward, he signed his name, Hashem Nisi. Hashem is my miracle. That's what he signed. Chaim Kafusi, Hashem Nisi. From that point on, that's how he signed everything. Isn't that unbelievable? That's that. His shoal, says the chidah, is still called the Kinesis Rav Chaim until today. He says, even today, people who swear falsely on his grave are punished. I don't know what that means. I don't know why anybody would swear falsely on anyone's grave. (laughs) It's just not a thing. I don't know what that means at all. But he said that, and that's the idea behind it. Either way, that's what Kai Kapusi. The Benish Kai. Oh, my gosh. I read this on the plane last Moshe Shabbos. I was on a plane going to a wedding. I read this. I was so excited. I told it to the person sitting next to me. Okay? That's how excited it was. Now, granted, it was my wife. But regardless, <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best Benishai ever. That Deris points out that ya aver pikkim only happens later. When do you go blind? You go blind at the end of your life. But ya salif divrit sadikim that your words get messed up and you mess up the case happens immediately. So the order of the pasuk is messed up. Shochad don't take bribes. Kiyah shochad will mess you up, and then ya aver will make you go blind. That's the way it should be. But it doesn't say that. It says aver pikhim divert sedikim. Why is it in that order? Isn't that a great question? I never thought of that. But it's hundred percent. It's out of order. He says the craziest thing. Yeah, what are you gonna say? But the, whole blind, but the whole point, what we learn from the blind is that you go blind at the end of your life. That's the mission and Peya. So obviously that's the idea, right? That you go blind in the case, but that's the, whole, the whole idea is supposed to be that. So listen to how he says it. He says, let's say Ruvain and Shimon bring a certain case to a judge. Okay, Ruvain is suing Shimon. Goes over to the judge. Ruvain bribes the judge. And because of that, Ruvain wins the case. Ruvain wins the case. Levy sees it. And Levi says, oh, Reuben just won that case. That means that Ruben was right. So he goes ahead and he does the same thing that Reuben does to Yehuda. It's the exact same thing. If Ruben could do it and he was right, he was judged favorably, right, in court. So I'll do the same thing. He does it to Yehuda. Yehuda's seriously upset. He takes Levi to court. And they go to a judge. Nobody bribes anyone. And the judge proskens like, Yehuda. Not like Levy. Levy gets up there and says, what in the world? What's going on? He said, he goes over to the judge and he said, Yehuda must have bribed you. Yehuda must have bribed you. There's no way that this could have happened because I saw the judge posken like Ruvain. And I did exactly like Ruvain. So how in the world could you have judged like Yehuda in our case? It's the exact same thing. Here's the pshat. He says, "Ashochad ye aver pikchem. The pikeach in this case is not the judge. It's Levi. It's going to blind the eyes of good people who will see that psaak and say, oh, that's the halacha. It's going to blind them. They're going to think that that's the halacha, but it's not true. And they don't even know it. It blinds them. And then when they go to court and they get judged against them, they're misalif divret Sadikim. They make fun of the tzaddik who's judging them, saying that they must have taken bribes. You hear? It's in order. Because if there is a shokhad that judge number one took, then Levi will be ma'aver, he'll be blinded, and he'll do it, and then he'll be Divr divritzidikim. Levi will make fun of the second judge, saying that that guy must have taken a bribe. <laughs> Isn't that a great bet My wife liked it. I don't know, the other person on the other side of us, I don't know if they liked it or not. I, I wasn't paying attention to see if he was listening to us. But if I heard a Ben Yishchai and I was sitting next to somebody, if I was sitting on a plane and somebody said, I've got a Ben Yishchai to tell you, I would have listened. I don't know. The Rashi, Rashi over here says, obviously, you can't take money to make someone who's guilty innocent. Obviously, that's wrong, right? That's lo That's another pasuk. This puzzle teaches you, you're not even allowed to take a bribe to judge someone who is already correct. You can't even take it if he's the one that's right, the MS, you still can't take a bribe. If someone does this, even if they're a Chacham, they'll lose his mind, his eyes will grow dim, they'll forget their learning, etc., like the Mishnah that we said up above, as well as the Midrash that we said, or whatever. It will even cause his correct dinim to be messed up. That's the idea behind that. That's what Rashi says. The Torah to Mima says, you know what this case is? Where someone believes he's correct, but he pays a judge to make it more clear that he's correct. That's still over on this lob, even though in the end he was correct. He would have won the case anyway. But it doesn't make a difference. You cannot sway a judge to be more correct, to be more like you. Yeah, but yeah. Who would do with the person who solicits the bribe? Who solicits? It, meaning gives the bribe? Yeah. Because not asking for the bribe. You mean the person who ends up giving the bribe itself? So Which the person who gives the bribe is technically not over on any surim except for Lifne Ever Losita Mikhshel. Okay. You can't give a stumbling block before a blind man. So although there's no Isser raisa on that, although we'll probably tell you that's usser to bribe a judge even for any, re- re- any reason whatsoever, but nonetheless, the taking is the Isser raisa and this is Lifne Ever without a question. So that would be a problem. Yeah, I'm Someone's, like, maybe in this case you just brought up where he's, like, clearly in the right, he's going to win the case, and then mm-hmm. you want that a bribe, just, to like, make it abundantly clear. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe we'd be like, you know, the other guy loses, but also we don't want you to win also. No, we don't, can't take away a case. A judgment is still a judgment. He just would probably have to go to another judge. That judge would be possible in such a case. The barber says the reason why is because if that happens, even if the din is correct, it's going to make everything else look bad. Nobody's going to want to go to these judges because they're going to be like, oh, we can't trust anybody. That's the reason why I don't get involved. The Kstav Sofer says something as well. He goes through, maybe you'd think you could do it for a poor person, etc. There's a big Kstav Sofer over here. Not only this, Rechaim Paltiel, who's a Rishon, he adds that you should not take money away away from someone who's obviously guilty either. Like a guy comes up to you and says, hey, can I give you a bribe? And you're like, yeah, you're a thousand percent guilty. Give me whatever you want. (laughs) You might as well, might as well make money off this guy, right? He's going to give me a million bucks and I'm not going to judge like him, right? And I'll judge, I'll judge for the other guy. Anyway, you cannot do that. And the reason why is because, right? And that's what you mamas would think. He said, even that's going to be absolutely forbidden because you never know how it might affect you. You never know how it's going to affect you. The El Shachar Rav Steiman says what would be mutter is you are allowed to take money to skip a line or something like that. That you'd be allowed to do. You're allowed to take money in order to skip a line or give money or something like that or to take money to allow somebody to go in front. That would be okay. Even to be appointed as a judge for money, to allow yourself, like pay money to someone in order to become a judge. That you'd be allowed to do because that's not coming from a baldin. That's not there. But a judge that has taken a bribe says the Ayel Zeshachar can never judge a case ever again. We can't trust him. We can't allow him to be a judge ever again in any such a case because we see what this guy is going through. Rav Yitzhak Zilberstein once saw, he saw a guy walking through the streets of Bnei Brak carrying a large package. So Zilberstein went up to him and said, what's the large package for? And he told the Rav it was a set of shas for a bar mitzvah boy. So Zobrishan was shocked. He said, who buys a set of shas for a bar mitzvah boy? Who does that? Mikras Gadolos maybe, right? Maybe a set of Navi or something, but a set of shas? Who does that, right? So the guy said that the, the boy's father was my judge in a, in a court case that I had recently, and he judged like me. So I think it's appropriate for me to give his kid a set of shas." So what do you think? What do you think? Can you give a set of shas as a bar mitzvah gift to the son of the judge who judged your case? It's after the fact, after the fact also. After the fact, it already happened. We already said that shohen ma'uchah is still a problem, right? But is this a problem? It's a son. It's a son. Rabbi Zilberstein said, it probably is usher, right? And he brought down the in arach and simon sif Yurchas. He said, giving it to a witness would be fine. If a witness came and did something for you in court, to thank him afterward is okay. But the judge is problematic. That's going to be problematic. Why? Super interesting, right? What? What's, why? Why is it problematic? You're just giving Probably still Shochad Stop. Still Shochad Mocher. Even though it's going to the sun, and even though he was giving him a gift anyway, even though he was going to the bar mitzvah, nonetheless. That's still going to be a problem. The chizkuni adds, what you are allowed to take is tchar We mentioned this a little bit before. You can take money for not doing something else. Because I'm judging this case, I can't go do something else. So you can pay for that. I've been a dayan for, you know not for kosher mishpah cases, because it's not my forte, but for getting before. I've been a dayan for gittin'. And you do get paid. You get paid from both sides, and they pay you. Now that's different, because obviously it's just tchar I would have done something else, and instead I was... There, I was doing this, but nonetheless, there is a payment that a person gets for just being around. That's what you're allowed to do. We get that from Karna. He's the Talmud of Rav and Shmuel. Karna, he used to do that. He would take the same amount of money from both sides as Schar The Torah Shloma brings down a Machlokus from the Drisha, the Meiri, the Penei and the Marsha. Why you're allowed to take a bribe from both sides, if that's much on what you're allowed to do, etc. But it's a big, it's Machlokus. But what you're allowed to do? Yeah, you no. Know, I don't think it'll make a difference. I think that'll still be the same basic idea, whether you can or you can't. I don't think it makes a difference when it comes to that. And Riff Hirsch adds on that it's much better if judges are paid from public funds, that they get an annual salary that they get from public funds. Only the secretaries and the other court needs were paid by the litigants. The litigants would not give toward the judge's salary itself. And that way it would be a lot better. And that's how the CRC does it. That's how REFERS does it as well. It's a little bit different in which there's public funds that are used toward that and anything that they pay for whatever goes to anybody else involved. If there's a sofa involved, if there's this and whatever it is, anything else, that's what they pay itself. And they say that's the idea behind it. Reverend Victor Miller says, even when no bribe is given, a man can bribe himself by his own selfishness and lose his ability to see. That means you'll never be able to investigate yourself. You'll never be able to know what kind of a person you are if you allow yourself to be bribed. He's not talking about a judge in this case. He's saying that this can be applied to our everyday lives. We bribe ourselves all the time. We can never see fault in ourselves. So then we're never going to know whether we really are the good people that we want to be. Rebbe Khan says that's the biggest issue, why people don't believe in a Baruch They don't believe in a Baruch When they claim that they're atheists, because they don't believe God exists. They don't believe God. They're all liars, said the Rohan and Wasserman. They're absolute liars, but it's not their fault. They're bribed by their taivos. Their desires are forcing them to believe that there is no God. It's the very first piece that Rohan and Wasserman brings in Kovitz Mamarim. If anybody has Kovitz Mamarim at home, it's a must read. It's the first four pages of the Sefer, and then he says another version of it. It's a little bit longer, about eight pages, the second piece. It's a beautiful piece from Ochanan in which he asks the question, how is it that we expect a 13-year-old kid who turns bar mitzvah to believe in God? And yet Aristotle, one of the brightest people who have ever existed, was an atheist. How can you expect that? How can you expect that? And he says that one, he has four questions. This answer is the basic thing behind the answer. It's because people have taivas. They're bribed. Your job is to not allow yourself and your taivas to rule over your body. And that's what Rav Victor Miller is saying over here. That's where the shochat comes into play. Now, the Mayan Hashel Torah brings the, the Chavos Yair, Rav Yair Bakrak, who was asked why Jews would often bribe the Poritzes, princes, and others if they were often judged between Jews and Goyim. But Jews used to give bribes to these people all the time, but they were their judges. They didn't have any choice. They didn't have Jewish courts. So they had to go to these people. How could they give bribes to non-Jews? Isn't that shochat? And according to the Rambam, Rambam I'm sorry, in parts of Yishlach, bribing a non Jewish judge for the non Jewish judge to take it is Yarog Val Yavor for the judge. It's part of Dinen, which is the Shevmat's A non Jewish judge can be killed for taking bribes. So why do we allow it to do it? He said, because these people have a tremendous hatred for Jews. Giving a bribe evens out the playing field. This is a famous Chavos Yair. It evens out the playing field. So they bribe the non jewish judges, not so they would judge like them, to at least make it fair. So they wouldn't automatically poskin like the other person, like the non-Jews that were against them. That's what they tried to do. This bribe allows them to be shoved in their thinking. Says the Chavos such a bribe is mutter. Not to a Jew, only to a non-Jew right? But such a bribe would be totally Moser. That's amazing. That's an amazing chavos yar. There are a lot of shilos over here. The Chavatzelos, says so Sharon talks about it. The Yosef talks about it. It's a big Shiloh, whether that's allowed or not. Can you go to court in a non-Jewish court setting and give a bribe to a non-Jewish judge who you think is anti-Semitic and won't judge like you just because you're a Jew? Are you allowed to bribe him? That's a big Shiloh, and I'm not going to answer it. The Chhsam Sofer says that's why the next Pesach talks about Gerim, to tell you there are some times when you can even the playing field. Sometimes that'll be mutter, and sometimes it's Usser. And by a Jew, it's absolutely Usser. Even if it's a Ger, you can't even the playing field, so to speak. I'm going to end with this. Elena Lushabaf says there was a man in the times of Shlomo Kluger who refused to give his wife a get. The rub of his town, Ramoshashur, was begging him to do so, but the man absolutely refused, he said the only way he would give a get is if her father, who was a very wealthy man, would give him a large sum of money. If he paid him a certain, certain amount of money, then I'll give the get. I don't want to judge anybody in this case. I have no idea what this guy was going through and what this one was going through. Maybe there was a reason for it, so let's not automatically judge. How dare you, whatever it is. No clue whatsoever. But Regardless, that's what the guy said. The father agreed. The father agreed to it, and as soon as this man left Baysden, cash in hand, he let them know, now we know he's evil. I have another name in another town, and I didn't write that on my get. And as you know, in a get, you have to write down every name that the person has, nicknames, something that you're known by any other place. When you're in a, by a get, you have to say to the person, are there any other names that you have in any other cities? Are there any other place? This guy said, no. And then he left court and said, I have another name in another city. I have another name. So the Rav didn't know what to do. They had just gotten him a huge sum of money, right? And he had said yes. They wrote up the get. And now he's refusing to write another get because that gets puzzled because he didn't add in that name. So they sent the question to Rav Kluger. What do we do in this case? What do we do? Rav Kluger was so outraged at the situation that the guy did such a thing, took the money and then said, I don't have a name. And then... So he was outraged and said I would get involved. That was an ear, an ear. He did his investigations. He recognized that the man's other name was not well known at all. Nobody really knew him by that name. A couple people knew him by that name. So he caught, he said the get is kosher, even though they didn't write the second name inside it, which is a massive chiddish. And he wrote this psak up, and he got everybody involved in whatever. It was a phenomenal psak, absolutely phenomenal psak. The woman was able to remarry. Poskin, the woman, was able to remarry with the get that she had, right? And that was it. Many months later, a wealthy man came in a large carriage. He visited Rav Kluger, and he asked him, do you remember the psak that you gave on this case? Do you remember that case? Rav Kluger, Kluger, honestly, he said, I have no idea. The amount of cases that came to Rav Kluger every single day, he had absolutely no idea. He said, I don't remember it whatsoever. So the man thanked him right? Telling him it was my daughter, it was my daughter that you gave the psak to. And he offered him a reward for maturing up his daughter. And he gave him a bag of money, putting it down on the table itself. Kluger was shocked, shocked. And he told the man, take the money away from me. Take this money away. He said, do you think I did it for you? He shouted at the guy. I think I did it for you. Do you think I did this great mitzvah to in a guna because I want money? Do you think that's what I did this for? I did it because the Kadesh Baruch Hu wanted me to do it. How could I possibly take a penny from you? Khalila. That's what he said. That's what Rev Kluger said. When the father insisted that he take something, Rev Kluger raised his voice, had the people in his house kick him out of the house. Take this guy out of my house. I don't want to see him. Kicked him out of the house completely. The man was not done. He went to Gedolim and he asked them to beg Rev Kluger to take the money. He said, I'm not giving up this money. I want to give it to Rav Kluger for maturing my daughter. Beg Rav Kluger to take the money. And these other Rabunim called up Rav Kluger and told him to take the money. And he said, absolutely no, no at all. The only thing he did is he would sell him his Safer, the Safer Nidre Zruzin. He sold him him his Safer at the market price. Not, not even for more. Just at the normal price that the safer cost. That's what he's willing to do. The wealthy father had connections. He publicized the story to everyone and it made a massive Kiddush Hashem to the non-Jewish world. Not just the Jewish world, to the non-Jewish world. where Kluger absolutely refused to take any money for a situation there. And that, even more so, it was way afterward. Way afterward. And it was for a It wasn't even a regular choshin Mishpat case. It was an Aguna case in which he had to deal with, etc. And nonetheless, he wouldn't do it. I'm end with this, everybody. There's a Rabbeinu Ephraim that says this posik is talking about something else entirely. And it's a very important posik for those who aren't married yet. This posik teaches us not to marry a woman who is not good for you just because she's wealthy or because she's beautiful. If you do so, you're over on Shochad. You're over on taking a bribe, Losikach Shochad, because it will blind you and be be misalief your words, although Beisden down here doesn't give Malkus for that, because you can't, that's not really what the Pusik is saying, Beisden Shomila, this is what Rabbeinu Ephraim Arishon says, Beisden Shomila will punish you for marrying a woman who is beautiful or rich, and that's the reason why you're marrying her, if she's not good for you. Isn't that unbelievable? He says it's based on a Gemara and Kiddush and Ayin Aleph, who says um, anyone who married a woman who's not good for him, Eliyoh and you will bend him over on a tree stump and whip him. That's what it says. The Rabbinole Ephraim says that's what will happen to such a person. is <laughs> that unbelievable? What an unbelievable fact. So although, obviously in Pshat, this Pashat is talking about bribes and how bad it is and we have those cases and what's us and what's not. There's another drush that comes from this positive. another limud to be made over here that a person has to be careful to never allow himself to be bribed by the things that he sees. We'll stop right here, guys. Have a great Shabbos.